Hello, and welcome to our Yoga Hero Teachers podcast. This podcast has been designed to help yoga teachers teach with passion, avoid burnout, and earn a fair living. This episode is tips for teaching yoga beginners. Teaching yoga beginners fills even many experienced yoga teachers with dread. (laughs) You want to keep the class flowing for the non-beginners. You want to make sure everyone is safe. You want to make sure no one feels stupid by not understanding something. Meanwhile, you're doing all your normal teaching stuff like making sure the music isn't too loud, getting your rights and lefts bang on, making sure that you can remember what's coming next in your sequence and everything else. In this episode, we'll cover some tips and tricks to bear in mind to keep you focused and to keep your beginners safe. In a future episode, we'll look specifically at integrating beginners into open level classes. Also, for ease and simplicity, we're focusing on in-person classes, but a lot of the information here will be very relevant to online classes too. In this episode, we'll look at instructions and queuing, use of props, sequencing, demoing, and a bit about you. Okay, let's go. Instructions and queuing. One of the main things to take away from this episode, even if you don't remember anything else, is that yogi beginners aren't telepathic. So if you say come to Adho Mukha Spanathana, Or even if you say come to downward facing dog, they aren't going to know what that is. You may as well say come to Babada Boopy. (laughs) In our teacher trainings, we encourage our trainees to write a script for asanas that are commonly taught. Now, don't be concerned about our use of the term script. This isn't something that you have to learn by rote. We just mean even a couple of bullet points that you have in your head or written down in your sequencing book to concisely break down the safety first cues for the asana. Remember that the yogi has a lifetime to refine their alignment. So at first, we're working on a safety first basis. I think this is one of the many ways that Ahimsa relates to teaching yoga. First and foremost, you make sure that the yogi is safe. Do no harm. Also, in terms of instructions and cueing, it's important to remember that practicing yoga helps us to connect with our bodies and helps with coordination. So someone who's new to the practice may lack this connection and coordination. Maybe, not always. If someone's disconnected from their body, some cues just won't resonate. Have you ever said, bend your legs, bend your knees, bend your legs a little more? move away from straight (laughs) to a newbie in downward dog and they just straighten the legs more and more and more and more. (laughs) Or you've said, relax your shoulders and nothing happens. Well, this could all be for a number of reasons, but one of them may well just be a disconnect between the thinking brain and the conscious activity in the body. It's okay. They will get there. Physical assists can help, but that's a whole separate topic. By the way, If you're interested in learning about physical adjustments, or you'd like to refresh your knowledge which disappeared a bit with the two years of social distancing, we have an adjustments weekend coming up, which is Saturday 16th and Sunday 17th of April at Yoga Hero in Leeds. 
It's a complete introduction and refresher to adjustments and all yoga teachers are welcome, new, experienced and those in training. So back to instructions and cueing. To help you consolidate this knowledge and immediately feel more confident teaching beginners, an action step here would be to take a class plan, maybe the class plan that you taught most recently, and imagine that you are teaching it to a total newbie to yoga. What guidance do you need to give them? Will that take up much extra time? What cues have you used before that haven't resonated? And could you make these clearer in any way? Use of props. One of my biggest bugbears as a yoga teacher trainer is hearing, now use a prop if you need to. A beginner and often even experienced yogis don't know what prop they should use and why they should use it and when they should use it, nor what benefit it will bring. So definitely use props and offer the use of props, but take the time to explain why someone might need to use it. If you don't have time for this in your sequence, make time or change your sequence. And I would strongly advise you to use the prop if you're demoing, even if you don't need it. It just makes it much more of a natural choice for your yogis to use theirs. And lastly, in terms of using props, I'd say if you're going to take the time to explain how to use one and encourage people to do so, then reuse it in your class so that it really is time well spent. Maybe at the beginning of the class you start in seated meditation. You take the time to explain why sitting up on a block or a bolster or whatever makes the asana more accessible. And then you come and do some seated asanas towards the end of your class to make use of the prop again and the time you spent explaining it. Let's make this real. Go back to your class plan again that you were using before and make notes of any asanas where props might be required. Add in a couple of bullets as to how you would explain the benefits and how to use the prop and maybe make a note for you to use it too. Sequencing. Okay, when teaching beginners, and I think this might be the second most important point of this entire episode, so if you're daydreaming, come on, come on back. When teaching beginners, your class doesn't have to be easy, it has to be clear. I'll say that one more time. Your class doesn't have to be easy. It has to be clear. In the prop section, I mentioned about being efficient with your time. If you're going to use a prop, then reuse it to make the most of that time you spent explaining it. And I'd say that the same principle is valid here. If you're going to take some time explaining an asana that's new to the yogi, which might be plank or downward dog or mountain pose, try to use that information again in the class. So if you're explaining active feet and active legs in Tadasana, reuse that information, let's say in tree pose, in warrior three, and so on. Now, of course, for the avoidance of doubt, some populations will need classes that are not physically challenging. And so hopefully you have styles of yoga under your belt that meet this requirement, like restorative and yin. And by the way, if you don't, check out our trainings as we're hosting both Restorative and Yin this year and both courses are absolutely amazing. 
So for your action steps, return to your class plan and think about what needs some index explaining, what you can reuse, and would you need to take a section out of your sequence if you're teaching beginners? For more on sectioning your sequences, you might like to listen to episode 17, A Complete Guide to Sequencing Yoga Classes. Demoing. I think demoing can be a controversial topic in yoga. So let's just be clear about one thing. How you demo and how much you demo is pretty personal to you as a yoga teacher. If you're true to yourself and you do what you think is right, your yogis will find you. I really believe that. Aside from that, but also related to that, people learn in different ways. So some will watch other people. Some will watch and repeat your every move, some will listen to instruction. But bear in mind that demoing the whole class and holding back on spoken instruction might not be the best course of action, especially in asanas like downward dog, child's pose, etc. You don't want people straining to look at the front of the room, trying to work out what you're doing. Plus, demoing, speaking, running around between classes, carrying around equipment, yeah, it's a shortcut to burnout. It's knackering. In short, the pros of demoing are that people can see you and that can serve as a guide as to what to do. The cons are that your body might not represent theirs, that they might have to strain to look at you or you to them or both, and that it's demanding on your energy levels, to name just a few. I'd recommend ensuring that your instructions, cueing and and sequencing allow for as little demoing as possible and then how much you choose to demo is a conscious choice. About you. If you can take steps to be welcoming, approachable and warm, to invite questions, you're more likely to find that people ask you for information, advice and insight. Meaning that you don't have to say everything that everyone ever needed to know about yoga up front because you can ask other questions as they come up. I'd also recommend at the end of class saying, if anyone has any questions, I'm in no hurry, please do come and ask. Not only will this remind people that it is fine to ask questions, but if a few people have the same question, you can integrate this information into your class in future and then people have that information. Try to remember people's names, do what you can to get a touch of insight into people's lives, and use your yoga classes to help them as much as you can. This is, of course, just absolutely common sense and just being a nice person. But yoga can come across as so elitist. It is well worth a reminder here to just be nice, provide an opportunity to listen, and be a good example of yoga. So hopefully that's some good food for thought there on teaching yoga newbies. You were a newbie once, if you can remember that. And if you can remember how you felt, that's going to help you connect with the newbies that are coming to your classes. We'd love to know how you're finding these episodes and if they're helpful. Please do let us know by emailing hello at yogahero.co.uk or sending a DM to Yoga Hero Teachers on Instagram. And as always, happy teaching.